Last week, I got a message from a young girl in Croatia asking if the podcast was coming back. She's planning a move to Galway in the near future, as are most people that reach out. But that message, that question, especially coming from someone so far away, was a major gift. Messages like that remind me why I started doing this in the first place, to help others learn about Galway, but more so to help them understand the beauty and the challenges of moving abroad. And if not for those reasons, this is just a great, exciting tale about travel, friendship, Ireland, its people, and self-discovery. So, if you want to show your appreciation, send me a message on Instagram at Colin Mack. Rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, become a patron by visiting patreon.com forward slash Colin Mack. Patrons literally bought this $200 podcasting mic I'm recording on at this very moment. So, however you show your appreciation, just know that every little thing you do helps this podcast reach more people like my listener in Croatia. And it means the world to me when I know you're connecting with this story. Thanks for being a listener, and now, enjoy the show. Episode number 16, Evacuate the Mountain. Entry number 15, February 2nd, 2019. 160 days since moving to Galway. Entry title, Beginnings and Endings. I've officially snagged my belay certification for our rock wall at the Kingfisher Gym. Well, I don't know if that's technically what it's called, but I am approved to climb, spot, and belay others with the Mountaineering Club. Basically what that means is I can tie a figure eight knot weave the rope through the harness, back through the figure eight, tie a stopper knot, and climb. Alternatively, I can take an end of rope, push it through the ATC, air traffic controller, which is so named for reasons totally unknown to me, as it's basically the metal piece through which the rope is fed, and clip the ATC to the carabiner on my harness, which would allow me to belay. Lastly, I can tackle the wall without ropes and boulder to my heart's content. After my assessment, I started eyeing the various walls and problems. I wasn't familiar with any of the routes, so I just began climbing. Maybe I'd see it differently on the wall. After one success and more failures, one of the Irish girls approached. She'd obviously noticed my glaring novice and that I was surrounded by people that already knew each other. I wasn't alone, but I felt slightly isolated. I'm no climber and I'm not Irish. I think you have to get your elbow up on that blue hold there. Then you can reach for that grab. I haven't done it, but I've seen the lads, and that's the only way," she explained excitedly. That's how you have to do it? To me, it didn't sound appealing. I don't really know any of these routes. This one is wild. You can thank the lads for that, she laughed. The crazier and more challenging, the better for them. But go on, give those blues a shot. You got this, just don't forget the elbow. Her encouragement must have been all I needed, along with her experience-born tips, because I made it up the route that time. It spanned two walls that spread away from another at a 90-degree angle, and I was in the corner. I placed both feet on either wall and used the singular handhold to my right. I pulled myself up onto one foot, managed to replace my finger hold with my right elbow, and then I finally had enough reach for my left hand to shoot over to the opposite wall. After that bit, my journey to the top was simple and I smacked the highest blue hold to applause down below. This was an environment I could get used to. I hopped off the wall, rolling onto my back over the thick foam crash pad. 
See, I told you that you got it. I was kind of forced to come here, so I don't climb much, but I love the people and know most of the routes. Her bubbly personality shone through a constant smile as she spoke. That's awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate it. Sorry, what's your name? Karen, yours? Cullen, nice to meet you. I mostly do hikes, so I don't meet loads of people that climb, but I figured I should start. Just something different, I guess, and who doesn't want to climb after free solo? <laughs> the hikes? You'd find me dying on the side of the mountain. I tried them, but you can't get to know people nearly as well as you do here. I mean, this is five days a week, you know? How about the social nights? You go to those? I always show up for an hour and then run out of people to talk to, I explained. Don't have to worry about that now, I'll talk to you. I could tell that Karen and I would quickly become friends. She was unbelievably helpful, introduced me to her other friends, and elaborated on the climbing game plus two. In the game, someone chooses two starting holds and two additional holds to form a route, then hops off the wall. The next climber follows the route the person made just before them, adds two more holds, then the process repeats. The resulting route can get ludicrously long. Karen has shorter, dark hair, is maybe a foot lower in altitude than I, and has one of the most energetic and extroverted souls I've encountered. Her acquaintance alone will keep me coming back to the wall. I shed tears twice today, each time with a bittersweet sense of clarity. I sat in the park opposite the Spanish arch, and I lined up perfectly in front of the structure, staring across the river Corrib. I peered, I was vexed, and didn't quite understand why until I closed my eyes. I saw more when my eyelids met. The empty space near the arch was filled with my dad's presence, hands in pockets, head reared, eyes up inquisitively studying each mark and wondering about their makings. It was as if he was there with me again, as he'd been on our trip in 2017. I saw him there as if he truly was. I heard his voice as we sat on the small stone wall near the river. It all became so real when my eyes shut, my mind playing scenes out like a projector. If I wasn't sober, I'd have thought I was hallucinating. I thought of my father dying, hopefully long into the future, and of how this place bonded us. Ireland was where we really met for the first time, as people but also as blood. We discovered what traits we disliked and appreciated in the other, and we found time to laugh, converse, cherish, embrace, stand in awe, cry, and to love. Even writing of it now blinds my gaze. I thought of how when he's gone, this place will hold more of him for me than the house he currently resides in. Why? Because this is where he truly lived. He was himself, holy, whether I enjoyed all of it or not. But he's an incredible father, whose memory will exist longer in Ireland than in any other place. I'm thankful for that. Even though he's not gone, I am, and I'm yet within his presence. It's the strangest, most inexplicable sensation. I believe he left a piece of his soul here for me to find, unknowingly, lovingly. The second time I wept was for the city, through its faults, namely weather. I've fallen in love. This is home. 
Only days ago, I explained to Maxie, I'm starting to forget home, forget Michigan exists, or the US. It's all like a distant dream that I connect with occasionally through my phone screen. Europe, Ireland, those used to be that distant dream, now they're my playground. My education system, the hand that feeds, my home. Here is life now, this land, these people. Again, it's a strange feeling to relate. You'd have to move away, which many people do at some point. But doing so overseas amplifies that sense. It makes it more apparent. I'm not in the mitten state anymore, or America for that matter. What scares me about that is the thought I could stay longer. I'm not sure I'm ready to axe away the existence I've created here. I'll miss Galway, Ireland, the mountains, the bay, Max, Trevor, Jess, Dara, Sierra, Shabam, all the lads of Apartment 43, John, Kieran, Luke, Oshin, and all the others here I've come to love. I'm preparing each day for my distant departure. That day scares me more than most I've had in my life so far. It's the most definitive ending of my life so far, moving thousands of miles away from the place I've established deep roots. Entry number 16, February 4th, 2019, 162 days since moving to Galway. Entry title, Ham and Cheese Sandwich. This may very well be the most sketchy thing the club have done, she said, guiding one of the newcomers to me. At that moment, I crouched on a boulder in the middle of a raging river, falls only feet beyond where I was perched. Ayla, a fellow mountaineering club member, stood on the bank to my left. She would take one person's hand, hold them steady, then that person would reach with their other hand for mine. I'd then pull them to my lovely boulder. Because we'd found an eight-foot beam of wood near one of the farmer's fences, that was the next task. Once on the boulder and in the heart of the river, Fionn would help them start on the plank and Ronan took their hand on the opposite side. Only then were they truly safe. Fionn and I stayed on the boulder, the plank of wood barely clinging to its right side, for about 10 minutes. There were 21 of us on the intermediate hike that day, which, per usual, turned out to be far from intermediate, and we had to ensure everyone made it to the right side of the river. It was the only way to go without heading back up the mountain for an alternative route. Why were we in this predicament? It's simple, really. Weather. The weather in the west of Ireland can deteriorate quickly, especially on the mountains, and that's exactly what it did. Most of our crew that day were newcomers and were shockingly unprepared. One girl from Oregon said, I thought I was just supposed to look good. I thought this would be a hike through the forest on a trail. She uttered these words and she looked angrily down on the mountain. Trails rare to non-existent on these mountains. You're lucky if you have a suggested route. Trees, nope. Completely exposed mountains, sopping wet, bog-like, hungry to eat boots in many places. You may take a step on what's assumed to be solid ground only to go knee-deep into the bog. Mix all that with accelerating winds, sideways rain, and underdressed, gloveless, and inexperienced hikers with useless swamps for feet, and you have yourself a dilemma. 
Ronan explained, I believe this is the first time we've ever used these shelters, at least in my two years. Before the river incident, we'd made it over top a saddle between two summits, hid behind massive boulders, and crammed into emergency shelters. They were essentially large plastic grocery bags, except you used them upside down and stored humans inside, and they were bright orange. The hike leaders announced we were abandoning the original plan and heading off the mountain. We popped out of our shelters, born into a harsh and gray world. The descent seemed to take ages. We trekked through two feet of snow at times and slipped on the wet surface. Many people fell. We'd almost hit the bottom when we became stuck between the two rivers. That's when our fording episode took place. Once we all made it across, there was only one more river crossing. We were told this one had an actual bridge. Upon arrival, those in the front stopped, laughed, shook their heads, and spun round saying, I swear this has never happened before. I thought it had to be a joke. It was not. The bridge did not go to the other side as promised. What kind of useless fucking bridge stops four feet before the opposite bank? To make matters worse, the bridge was about five feet higher than the land we had to be on. Four feet away, five feet high. All we could do was jump. Normally it's low water and you can just climb down and walk across. Shit, no one is ever coming back on a hike. One of the hike leaders nervously laughed. To be fair, I'd learned last semester when I had no extra gloves and we were caught in a hailstorm. My only pair were soaked through and useless. So yes, I did take some sick delight in the fact I'd already been through something like this. It was almost an initiation. Still, I felt their pain and shared an extra pair of gloves with one miserable girl. Two people leapt across, and I just went for it. Wasn't too worried since I assumed the landing would be soft on such marshy ground. It was. Nonetheless, some of the group members were terrified. Again, we had no other choice. No one wanted to backtrack, so they all hopped over, with a little friendly encouragement. Our club trudged through the remaining 40 minutes or so to Cane's. Cane's is the pub, more like a big Irish house that sells pints, that we go to every Sunday. I think the club makes up most of the bar's revenue for the year. They deserve it though, they make the greatest ham and cheese sandwich on the planet. And strangely enough, it's toasted inside a plastic bag. Toastable plastic, one Irishman reassured, though I think I'm reasonably skeptical about that assertion. If you've made it to the end of this episode, then I know you appreciate listening to this story. Showing that appreciation is simple and it seriously helps the show grow and reach more listeners. So reach out, review, and do whatever you can to help Attempting Local. Also, thank you for listening to episode number 16 of my upcoming book. As you know by now, this novel took over two years to create, from the idea's inception to editing this final version. The endeavor first required about eight months of planning, applying, and test taking just to get accepted and then to prepare for university in Galway. I then worked through an arduous year-long accelerated master's program, all while traveling and experiencing the country, just to keep an entertaining and detailed handwritten journal to share with others. Lastly, I had to transcribe all four physical journals onto my laptop, edit, re-edit, send to my editor Sarah, and send to publishers. And I'm still currently sending submissions in. 
This process has taken an immense amount of time and money, and I'm still working on the Attempting Local project. All I ask is, if you're passionate about this podcast, desire the information it provides, or just look forward to the fun listening experience that it offers, please go ahead and support it. Simply head to anchor.fm forward slash Cullen McNamara, or visit patreon.com forward slash Cullen Mac. Your help and support will go a long way in keeping this podcast up and running. You'll fuel my ability to create and share this beautiful and timely piece of work with all of you. And hopefully one day this will finally get published in print. So thank you again for your support and enjoy listening to Attempting Local A Year Abroad in Galway, Ireland.